The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Coming up on our sex tech feature, facial recognition in the adult industry plus Policing porn proves to be somewhat problematic, and we're going to talk about scams on dating apps. How do you know your Romeo is is who he says he is? And what's up with the eggplant emoji? We'll talk about that as well with Dr. Jason Behrman. That's coming up after 10.15, but first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with passion at 514-800. You can feel free to text me or email me as well, laurie at drlaurie.com anytime. Now, last week, uh, a question came up about vibrator uh, recycling. (laughs) Well, we were talking about vibrators, and somebody asked, how do you recycle a vibrator? And that was a really good question because they're made with all kinds of different parts, right? So not you can't just throw them into your recycling bin. And if you put them in the garbage, I can just picture the landfill with all these dildos sticking out of them, uh, which don't degrade. Uh, so a, a listener was kind enough to send me a link to an article about uh, recycling your vibrator. So I want to thank that listener. Uh, so uh, there are some, believe it or not, eco-conscious shops that are actually making an effort, a conscious effort, to uh, to recycle or at least make sure that the vibrators don't end up in a dump. Come as you are. They're in uh, in Toronto. They uh, they do this. Another company does this as well. Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot to to address here, and apparently, it's it's quite a it's not so simple to uh, recycle these uh, these sex toys. But up till now, they've really been going into uh, into the landfills because we don't recycle them. That's that's it. So come as you are, what they do is they encourage people to mail in or drop off their unwanted vibrators and silicone sex toys. They want you to wash them first. Uh, and the that co-op will handle the recycling from there. And you get a 15% discount coupon for future purchases with that. Um of course, that's not uh, that's not the norm. But when you think about what a sex toy is made of, it's a lot of complex materials, a lot of parts, uh, certain plastics, silicone, electronic parts, rechargeable batteries. Those don't go into mainstream uh, cycling. Now, and some facilities also refuse toys that they consider a potential biohazard. Uh, so they're not going to take your uh, your stuff that's been anywhere near your junk, apparently, because that's a, a, a biohazard. So, of course, how do you dispose of these uh, of these things uh, when they have, you know, advanced motors and coils and remote controls? And uh, so there's toxins and, and stuff in there, uh, especially with a more advanced uh, technology. So... Um, Silicone, which is now used for sex toys a lot because it's a it's a superior uh, product or a superior uh, um, thing, um, material, it never degrades. That's the problem with it, though. It's wonderful. It's sturdy. It's easily washable, but it doesn't degrade. So what are you supposed to 
do with that. So another company called Love Honey also does the same. You could uh, send them your uh, your stuff. I mean, obviously, it takes an effort to to do this, and you have to be conscious of the environment and and all of that. But um, they do have, like in the UK, for example, the waste electronic and electrical equipment regulations that mandate that households recycle electrical items. So it's the same thing as your toaster, your hairdryer, or your vibrator. It's a a special bin for those kinds of things. But how do you feel about bringing your uh, dildo or vibrator to your local recycling center? That might be, um, people may not really want to do that. So people can send them in and again, you know, they get, they get credits for that. So, um, think about it. I mean, think about what you want to uh, do with that. Most of us would just toss it in the garbage, I think. But if you're environmentally conscious, then uh, maybe you'll think twice. All right. 514-800 if you have any questions. Uh, My wife and I have been married for 14 years and she has no sexual desire. The last five years, it's been one excuse after another. Menopause, medication, etc. Is there anything I can do uh, to help her. So does your wife recognize that uh, that there is a problem? Have you spoken to her about wanting a sex life together without putting without putting like a terrible amount of pressure or making her feel badly about it, but just letting her know that you love her and that you would love to be intimate and continue to have an intimate life and let's do something about it. So it's not about you go do something about it, but let's do something about it. So part of this is understanding female sexuality as well. Uh, Like I would want to evaluate the situation where um, looking at it from her perspective, like what stops her from being open to sexuality? I get that she may have lost her spontaneous desire for sex. Many, many women do lose their spontaneous desire, but that doesn't mean they lose their interest or their responsiveness to uh, to sexual touch. So I would want to know from her, when you do have sex, are you feeling pleasure? Do you get something out of it? And if the answer is yes, then it's a question of getting from point A to point B. So what is blocking her from the get-go, right? So if it's not spontaneous desire, there are other reasons why we want to uh, have sex or get close to uh, to our partners. So th- these are some of the things that need to be explored. How does she feel about herself since menopause? Is she feeling badly? She, are there body image issues? Are there conflicts in the relationship? Are there things that she's complaining about uh, that may have caused resentments for her? And are, are you putting pressure on her? So all of these things might make her just avoid sexual activity. So it's not like I'm, I'm happy that you want to help her, uh, and but I think the way to do this is for the both of you to get some counseling and to approach it in such a way as, you know, this is, it's, it's, it's important and it's, I want to feel close to you and I want to be sexual and, uh, and go from there. Uh, another uh, menopausal thing, help, I'm 50 years old, my husband is 62, I'm going through menopause and taking herbal remedies for hot flashes. 
Don't you love those? My biggest problem is my lack of libido and the pain I feel during intercourse. What can I do? Will I ever feel normal again? So there's always a new normal, you know, as you age, there's a new normal that you have to adjust to. Uh, the I can the libido I get the the lack of spontaneous desire is is definitely a problem. Uh, well, problem it doesn't have to be a problem if you understand that that's the same for many women in long-term relationships, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be having sex. It just means that our motivation, our motives may be a little bit different. What worries me more is your, your lack of enjoyment of sex, which because of the, of the pain. So, uh, look at what's causing the pain. My guess is if you're menopausal, it's a dry vagina. Uh, you may want to look into getting a hormone, um, like hormone replacement, not just taking orally, like uh, like like a hormone replacement therapy uh, that you would take for your whole body, but just intravaginal hormones, uh, intravaginal estrogen. They're like pellets that you put in or a suppository that you put into your vagina several times a week, and it it restores the moisture and elasticity that you need to avoid the small little cuts that are there because of the dryness. Uh, I would also recommend you use uh, a lubricant. I recommend a silicone-based lubricant because it's just greasier, it's oilier. It's not oil, but it, it's more slippery and has a less chance of drying up. So if these symptoms, um, like you should speak to your doctor about this. It's, you should be open with your doctor about the symptoms uh, that you're having through menopause. Coming up, facial recognition in the adult industry. What if you want to find the one porn star that you, you want their videos? Uh, Jason Behrman, Dr. Jason Behrman, our sex tech expert, will discuss this and much more. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. One of my favorite segments of the month is when we talk about technology and sexuality, sex tech. Uh, Dr. Jason Behrman joins me. He's a marketing and communication specialist in artificial intelligence and technology, and he always comes up with, uh, well, there's always something new. It's amazing. Every month, something new to think about, something new to, I would say, worry about, because, you know, you give me nightmares, Jason, every time you're here. I'm like, oh, what am I doing now? <laughs> How do I protect myself now? And I, I just find it overwhelming, to tell you the truth. I'm a little shocked. I, I thought I gave you nothing but wonderful dreams. Larry. Oh, yes. Oh, no, not even. Nightmares. Not even. Nightmares. And I think Alexa's watching me while I sleep, and I think like all kinds of things. But anyhow. Yeah, people watching you in public toilets, for example. Oh, my word. Oh, yeah, remember no. That episode? Yes, yeah. I remember that. Yes, I'm telling you, you scare me every time. Let's see if you, if you manage to do that again. Uh, so facial recognition... In the adult industry, well, don't we know like when if somebody's on porn, like what? Why do you need facial recognition? I don't understand. Okay, so I broached this topic on a few episodes on passion already. So what it is, it's a it's a sub uh, specialization in artificial intelligence, and what we've developed now are algorithms that can uh, take an image of your face and make like a fingerprint out of it. 
And then once that fingerprint is developed, um, uh, an algorithm will be able to identify you in video or other f uh, photos, uh, digital photos in the future. And it makes it really great to identify people. It's very helpful. Um, governments can use this, for example, uh, to, to ID people. And also your financial institutions can certify your identity using this technology so it could prevent uh, identity theft and fraud mm -hmm. and a lot of other nasty things that we don't want. Actually, I've been hearing in the news, too, different places that you go to or clubs or whatever take a photo of you. Mm -hmm. So is that part of that that kind of identification? That facial There are again? lots of new emerging applications of this technology. And so I think what you're referring to is the facial recognition technology being used in bars and clubs yeah. in order to assess whether or not you're jumping the queue in order to get a drink. They have Exactly. They, yes, they I have heard this new that. technology now. And so you don't have to necessarily wait in line. Like a, a camera will be able to record uh, people's faces and they will assess who approached first. Okay. And then it just puts you in a queue. Uh, on like a digital hmm. screen, it will show like where you're going to be, like an image of your face. Oh, and I'll wow. be like, okay, you're the next person that <laughs> deserves to get served right. next. And it avoids like those lines. So that's like another more playful application of the technology. Give me the scary stuff. <laughs> well, on past episodes of Passion, I was describing how people were um, using this technology inappropriately, where um, some kind of uh, uh, malicious people that really do not like uh, women in the escort industry or the adult industry, they were taking their images from escort uh, websites mm -hmm. and uh, from pornography as well and they were using facial recognition technology to identify them on social media so oh, to wow. identify their name and from that uh, they were able to deduce for example where they work because many people in the adult industry are not necessarily adult actors all the time right, or, right. or escort uh, service people all the time right and so um, and they uh, these people they that that have a beef or a bone to pick with uh, sex trade workers uh, contacted their places of work, family members, and outed them essentially oh and shamed goodness. them publicly. And um, it these was these are a, true stories. Like oh this, yes, this, this has happened. A, this was uh, primarily a problem in in Russia, for example. Uh, but there was other people that started to develop similar technology that you could use here on Facebook. Oh, so, wow. So that's like the more negative side of, scary. of it. It's It's unfortunate. And quite often, um, sex trade workers that are primarily women are being targeted by these uh, malicious acts. And I will um, give another example on a future episode on Passion, probably uh, in December, on another example of how this is being abused, this technology. But um, it's also used for a lot of great applications. And in the adult industry, for example, they're starting to use this technology to prevent uh, piracy. So... Um, smaller kind of production facilities uh, for adult content, adult videos, or independent uh, filmmakers or independent workers in the sex trade industry are, can use this technology to help prevent people from pirating their content, like stealing their videos and uploading it on other, Some other uh, st video mm -hmm. streaming sites. And then those people who stole the content then start to profit off of it. And, right. you know, there's a big and problem. And that is a problem with that, yes. That is because a big on problem. Because on all the free... Uh, the free sites where they anybody can upload a video. Mm -hmm. So in a way, you could use this technology to help prevent uh, the, the underdog, you know, the independent adult film star, which right. is great. But now we're also starting to see uh, different kinds of services where you could use it to search for adult content online in a new way without using, like, you know, search terms, like words. So you could look for a particular person or, like, uh, a hair color, for example. Or um, you could use image recognition, which is similar to facial recognition 
recognition technology mm-hmm. to look for a fetish or whatnot. Hmm. And so they have star um, services like Pornstar.id and MegaCam, and these are search engines um, that uh, help you find uh, a porn star based on uh, their image. So if you find an image of someone that you enjoy, you could use that image to then find more content that videos. they participated in, right, right. which is kind of cool. And Pornhub hmm. has come forward and they said that they will be uh, using a similar system to uh, facilitate finding Searches. certain kinds of content by a specific actor that you enjoy in particular. Hmm. So that's it might cool. reduce uh, the time spent also. Uh, you know, the, a lot of people spend time, at least this is what I notice in my practice, is they, they spend time doing a lot of searches. Mm-hmm. So they go on these porn sites and then they're, they just keep searching and searching and searching until they find something they like. But maybe if they find the one thing they like, then they're able to use that same, that technology to, it might reduce the time, I don't know. That's what people are doing all this time on these porn sites, <laughs> searching? I didn't know. Yeah, they spend a lot of oh, time searching. searching. Okay, good to know. <laughs> Until they find just the right video that uh-huh. they want. <laughs> exactly. So with that said, that's that's a good, but um, there's also risks with this technology. So I described in the beginning of the segment how it was used to target sex workers. Well, some people are starting to raise some concern as well about safety and privacy, and some people are saying, well, is this a way where uh, lesser-known actors or people who do uh, uh, who participate in the adult industry part-time on the side or they moonlight mm-hmm. as a porn star? Is it a way like can you use this technology to kind of out them and identify them? And um, what if you did this when you know you were younger and you were in university right. and you had to make some money on the side and you know all of a sudden you know 10 15 years later all of a sudden this comes up again because somebody did a facial recognition search and then all of a sudden like all the content that you ever did in your former porn star career all of a sudden is like readily accessible by somebody and it's not just right but it's not just the 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 porn the porn work so right now let's say somebody wanted to uh you meet somebody and you just see them. You don't know their name or anything. You take a picture of them, you put them into a Google search yes. through images, and you see everything about them when that image comes up. Is that available now? That is possible. And this is another problem. And this is uh, that the technology is so new. We have very few regulations and also very few means to regulate it. So people are starting to raise the concern where if anybody just takes a photo of you, and it could just be photo that, that like your profile picture on, yeah. on social media. Why right. Not? Right. So that's readily available. So right. you could take that image and then do a reverse image search or use facial recognition technology to see what else might pop up. In, you know what's what's scary mm-hmm. what's interesting about that is because if you look at the dating apps of today, mm-hmm. they don't have last names, you know, they mm-hmm. have just a first name or not even a real name or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So people would be able to do their their searches mm-hmm. before they ever met Mind you, I think that's a good thing, too. You kind of have a bit of a background of the person you're going to meet up with. It's, it's funny you say that because the last time I spoke about this technology was with Paris, mm-hmm. your colleague, and I, I talked about the use of this technology, uh, facial recognition. And the second topic uh, that, that I, 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 I expanded on in particular was a guy who invented this technology specifically for you to screen a new dating partner to see whether or not they were either uh, an, an escort or some kind of participant or some in the, weird, in the some ad- crazy person. Adult I don't know. industry. Okay, yeah. but forget the adult industry stuff. Like that would that wouldn't even cross my mind. It would be more like 
I want I would want to see his LinkedIn profile. Oh, I'd want to okay. see you know a, a little bit more, even a, a Facebook profile, whatever. But when you just have that image and with a first name, you don't you you can't locate them on mm-hmm. on Facebook or Instagram or anything. So by using this technology, this you becoming, now have more information. This is becoming more and more feasible. And quite often, a lot of these services are available for free. So right. another question that people are raising is, imagine if you are the victim of revenge porn. So this is when... Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, when a former partner of yours has some kind of a, a scandalous or, you know, some kind of racing material, like photos or even some video that you made uh, with full consent when you were dating. And then all of a sudden, the relationship turns sour. And then one of the partners releases that material online and you have very little control over it that's or like right. where it goes or who gets it. People are raising the concern that, well, could you use facial recognition technology to find um, or exacerbate problems related to revenge porn? So even if you would like try to stamp it out or try to uh, push that video to, you know, the fringes of the internet using facial recognition technology, uh, it could make it readily easy to find that content again. And so you could become like re-victimized as a a revenge porn victim. Oh my goodness. So Yeah, that's the scary part for me. Yeah, with the digital technologies, like when they're out there, it's really hard to put the lid back on that Mm -hmm. that jar. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's tough. It's something that we're going to have to face as a society uh, very, very soon with some Mm. hardcore regulations. There's a lot of catch up. If you ask me, there's a lot of, uh, I I find we're so far behind in in the safety measures, Mm -hmm. like the technology is going way too fast, then we can't keep up with with the safety measures. So every time you come here, like I feel like it's yet again and yet more and more and more and more with no regulations at all and nobody addressing legalities and nobody doing anything of the sort, you know, if, and maybe we can talk about this later, but, um, I talked about like, how could it not be regulated that why do I keep getting pictures or how is it allowed that men can send me pictures of their junk? Like it doesn't make sense. Yeah, you know, that should be, that should be controlled. It should be illegal. There should be something. Uh, so all of that is kind of fits with this. It's our sex tech segment tonight with Dr. Jason Behrman coming up. Uh, policing porn, uh, that actually is proving to be a little bit problematic. We'll address that after we check in with our CJAD 800 newsroom. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. From the pleasure and the politics to the hangups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJAD 800. You've heard the stories about certain jurisdictions trying to police porn, meaning um, making sure that there's an age requirement, right? 18 years of age. But how do you enforce that? That's the big problem. Uh, Jason, Dr. Jason Behrman is with us. He's a marketing and communication specialist in artificial intelligence and technology. And uh, he's going to tell us all about this. So let's, let's follow up because we've talked about this when it was uh, in the UK. It was it was announced that they were trying to do this. What's happening since then? Yeah. So on a previous episode, I was talking about how the UK was trying to enforce an age restriction uh, for adult content online because this is 
a pretty big problem today. Like porn is so readily accessible, exactly. and it's totally inappropriate for minors to be viewing mm-hmm. this, especially it, like copious amounts of this. Mm-hmm. And so people are really trying to figure out ways to restrict minors' access to adult content. And so many people are offering uh, technological solutions. And so the United Kingdom was trying to push forward a policy that would make it uh, mandatory for people to prove their identity, mm-hmm. not necessarily identity, but at least their age, by um, uh, proving somehow with like their driver's license or some other form of government ID that they were 18 or over, or by going to a depreneur, for example, and buying a card that would have like a serial number on it, and then you would put that in and mm. you would register once. That would make sense. And then, yeah, and then you would be certified and you could go to major certified porn sites okay. in the country. And... Um, the, the country, the UK, they kept trying to push it forward, push it forward. It would kept getting delayed. And sure enough, now they have just dropped the project altogether. They said that it wasn't, it's, they're just not, not going forward with it. Why, why not? Uh, well, like we described on a previous episode of Passion, there's many people that found easy ways to just circumvent uh, these age restrictions using a virtual private network or other kinds of, of hacks course. out there. So they abandoned the project. The hacks are way ahead. Like they're like right on top of things, right? Something new comes in, you got a hacker right away. Uh, well, you could always find some kind of trick if you're if you're really uh, determined to yeah. do something or get something done. Quite often, a person will find a way to do it. Right. So, anyways, that's the UK. Um, in Australia, they also are dealing with this problem, and so the Department of Home Affairs actually recommended or they suggested that we could use once again facial recognition technology oh, to okay. verify people's ages. So, um, there are um, new applications of facial recognition that uh, can do age estimates just by looking at your oh, face. That's smart. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it's kind yeah. of cool. It's not 100% perfect, but you could get a pretty good guess whether or not someone is um, over the age of 18 or if someone is like, you know, a 13-year-old. Right. Like, I'd be okay with that yeah. if they don't take information from my face. You know what I mean? Like if they're able to just determine age and that's all they want, mm-hmm. then that that's one thing. But if they're doing the whole... You know, who's this person and all the background information? I think I'd have more of a problem with that. Well, you're way ahead of me, Laurie. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's it's like you're reading my notes here. But yeah, a lot of people have come forward and they say, uh, no, we don't like <laughs> this because um, it raises a lot of risks, like you described. Mm-hmm. Like, would it be possible for somebody like a government or a corporation, such as an, an adult, uh, adult content corporation, to amass a huge data bank of the face? and related information of all people that are visiting their site, the type of porn they're consuming, how much, when, at what time of the day. I mean, uh, they already do that with, with, uh, but not not faces. Like if you look at Pornhub Analytics, Uh right? They have tons of, they know how many women, how many men, like they're able to do that. Mm -hmm. I don't know uh, what their information like gathering system is, but I do know they do that. But that would be quite scary if now they had other like even more information. Yes. So people are saying, because it it would be a a government sponsored uh, restriction or or regulation, probably. Mm -hmm. I I don't think the the porn companies would necessarily be policing themselves. Some would opt for that, but not necessarily all of them would. So you would need a law, like a government would have to come in and say, okay, even playing field for everyone. Okay, if you want to have adult content in our country, you have to have this kind of regulation or certification that you're, you're only 
streaming to users that could prove that they're 18 or over or something right, like that. Right, right. So that raises a lot of questions of like, could a government amass all this like information on people and their consumption of adult content? And then like, what if it gets hacked? What if it gets leaked? Could somebody mm. use that information to blackmail people, stigmatize people? People are already doing that fakely. Right, you know, yeah. we're still getting those those uh, emails. I don't know if you ever got them, but I I still mm -hmm. get them that uh, I have your password and I know what you've been looking at. And if you don't send me two thousand dollars, I'm gonna show the world what porn you're looking at. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, so that's that's a common scam right now where they claim that they have uh, hijacked your your yeah. your. Uh, Operative word is claim. Your yeah. camera, your camera in, in your computer and whatnot. Um, so just put a piece of tape over your camera. I don't camera even and have a have camera to... on that computer. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Like they're they're just phishing. Like they don't actually have that information or they have old passwords. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So yeah, that's that. So um, uh, technically we could use facial recognition to help solve this problem, but a lot of people are not liking this because yeah. of all the risks that are associated with it. So, this, so is a, this is one thing to keep our eye on. Yeah, um, there are other jurisdictions around the world that are trying to find other high-tech solutions to, you know, preventing uh, mm -hmm. minors from accessing porn, and we have to see how this is going to pan out. But what I thought was really um, interesting, there was a, a leading member uh, uh, in the sex tech industry, uh, Brioni Cole, and um, she opined on this situation, and she said that we are looking for a technological solution to a systemic human problem, she said. Mm. The problem, sex education is broken, and so porn has become the default sex education for the majority of young people. Yes, unfortunately. And that is very true, and I concur with her, and I think that, uh, yeah, maybe rather than fighting an uphill battle, which is like yeah. so... Why don't we just give them sex education, yeah. duh? Like how many times, how how many times and how many examples do we have to give to prove that sex education is needed? And also a better option than what than kids learning are, from porn. are, you know, their DIY uh, learning activities exactly. today yeah. are not great. And learning, learning from porn. Now, moving on from porn to dating and dating apps. Yes. How do we... Like there's a lot of scam scam mm -hmm. uh, profiles, I guess, yes. or or I'm not sure how they scam people, but I know there are a lot of fake profiles. Yes. So how do you get around that? Like how do you know if you're on a dating app that who you're talking to is a real person or who a person who says who they you know who they actually are who they say they are. Well, listeners may remember on a previous episode of Passion, we discussed romance scams on uh, dating apps, and it is one of the most like common forms of fraud and scams in North America today. Wow. I forget what the numbers were, but it was unbelievable amounts of millions of dollars that are being extorted from people. And so, yeah, it's a big problem where they're, uh, it's called catfishing is one of the major problems. So mm -hmm. these are profiles that are like so awesome, sometimes too good to be true, you mm -hmm. know. And um, it's a fake profile where they steal images of some good looking or handsome person off the web and um, they coerce you into kind of falling in love with them and then divulging too much personal information. Uh, which they then use to blackmail you or extort other kinds of money from you, or they scam you by convincing you to send them money for some dire emergency that's occurring or right. something like that. And they don't actually coerce. They manipulate. Oh, <laughs> They're yes. very, very good yeah. at the art of manipulation. Yes, you know? sometimes these scams go on for months. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they really convince you that. Oh, uh, we've heard that, some that, that, that you're in love. Yeah, so doozy stories uh, of that. Absolutely. And what about? Is there some way to, to verify? Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. this is what. Uh, so these um, dating platforms and these apps, they they're well aware of the problem and they're feeling the heat, and so they're trying to find solutions to prevent this. So one um, one. Uh, uh, ingenuitive uh, a dating app. It's uh, Hornet, which is a dating app for guys who are into other guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are developing a way for um, real profiles to get a badge next to them, kind of like a like verification. Like a certification, yeah. Yeah, like you see on Twitter or on Facebook. But what's really cool is that um, they don't give you all the details because they, they want to keep it secret so that people cannot uh, game the system or hack it. Um, but they will be able to monitor using artificial intelligence the activities that people do on the dating app platform. And there are patterns that uh, the algorithm can recognize that shows that you're a real user and not like a scammer or mm. an automated bot. Right. Well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, coming up with uh, Dr. Jason Behrman, our marketing communications specialist in artificial intelligence and technology and our sex tech guru here on Passion, uh, what's up with the eggplant emoji? Is it too suggestive? Do you know what the eggplant emoji stands for? Well, you'll soon find out. Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. It's our sex tech uh, segment of the month tonight with Dr. Jason Behrman, a specialist in artificial intelligence and technology. All right. You wanted to uh, just, there was, we were talking about the yeah. app just, and just to conclude, certifying that you are who you are. A real person and not right. a scammer. So what was interesting with this uh, app Hornet is is that it's it's for the LGBTQ community. And so what's interesting in their verification process for real people, real users on the platform is that you do not have to prove your name and identity per se. An algorithm will just assess whether or not your behavior on the app in terms of like where you click, how you use it, how mm. often is representative of a regular human being user. Ah, And this is cool because, therefore, people don't have to identify themselves. And these apps, quite often, uh, they operate in many regions of the world where being gay is still uh, a criminal offense. And so I thought that was really cool that they figured that out without having to make people out themselves. Exactly. Uh, This texture is interesting. As a gay man, I came close to being scammed by someone out of the country. He was good-looking, very engaging personality. We spoke on the phone for about three months all was great looking forward to his arrival when I was blindsided by his request for a credit card. When I declined, that was the end of our quote unquote relationship with screeching tires. Mm-hmm. So there's a perfect example. Well, yeah, you're not alone. This is so common. And this is why these dating apps like Hornet are making this verification kind of system yeah. going on. And they have and, and the scammers are very patient. I, I have to tell you, like, it's not the first story I hear of a something lasting months, you know, oh, yeah. uh, like investing time and speaking and and texting back and forth for months. And then, bam, we, I, I want it's... I need money. I think it's typical that it will go for over a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And baiting, well, because they want you. you to they want you to feel like you're in love with them. Oh, absolutely. Like that's the whole the whole purpose, right? Mm-hmm. They're not going to ask somebody just like that. Uh, so, what's going on with uh, the eggplant emoji? Do you want to tell everyone who, what the eggplant emoji is? Oh, I, I, I've, it's it's a healthy vegetable. Uh, yeah. Besides that, well, it's 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 a lovely phallic, a wonderful shape. I must say, it's. A... I don't even see the phallic in it. Like I don't understand. It's, it's look closer. Yeah. 
<laughs> anyway, other, the other one that is uh, a little bit suggestive is the peach emoji as well, which, oh, yes, uh, which I heard about re- that. represents a vagina. And then they have like the water droplets that represents different kinds of, of <laughs> excrements or something, you know, coming out. Let's okay, so say. for those of you who don't know, the eggplant emoji. Uh, Really is uh, it represents sex, a nice sex sexuality. Yeah. yeah, it's it's all about the sex, and same with the peach emoji. So mm-hmm. try not to use fruits and vegetables in your emojis. <laughs> they might mean something other than what you intend them to do. So what's interesting about this is that some social media platforms are now starting to censor certain content where people use these emojis like the eggplant and the peach in contexts that are uh, might be construed uh, to be related to soliciting for sexual favors online. Mm-hmm. So um, Facebook, for example, so I'm, I'm referring to Facebook and Instagram here, uh, which is the same company. Um, they made it explicit that they do not want sexual content on their platforms whatsoever. And Even in their messengers or anything like that. They do not want you doing any kind of solicitations for sexual services or anything like that. Forget the solicitation. What about sending somebody unwanted sexual pictures? So uh, I know that they don't want that happening either. Um, In Messenger, I think it's it's, uh, because it's more private that they're they're going to police that less. But definitely on the platform, on a previous episode of of Passion, I was describing how they were really cracking down hardcore on any kind of adult content where if you had female, quote unquote, female presenting nipples in a a Mm. picture, they would have it flagged and it would be taken down. And there was a whole bunch of people that got upset over that because there was a bunch of like pictures of aboriginal women in their native dress mm-hmm, and where many mm-hmm. of these women are like topless and they were being labeled indecent and right. in- inappropriate on the platform and people are like no you can't do that facebook so yeah that's some of the problems but then some people started to get a little bit more concerned uh when facebook came forward and said um they have an algorithm that is sometimes uh automatically screening your messages in a facebook messenger your mm-hmm. private messages and it could flag certain messages that it might think uh, that that you're alluding to some kind of sexual favor or some kind of sexual service and that's it involves, kind like, of big brotherish because they're looking at your bit. they're looking at what you're sending they're looking at a private message between two people yeah they're not looking at it an algorithm is oh, but okay, some right. people's messages were getting flagged like between two friends for example and like they said something along the lines of hey are you looking for a good time tonight and they were referring, you know, like going out dancing. But uh, mm-hmm. the algorithm thought it was like, oh, are you like propositioning something? Yeah, but did they put the eggplant emoji? So, yeah. yeah so now we're going one step further. And uh, now their community standard says uh, to prevent online sexual solicitation on the platform, uh, they may uh, censor your messages that are, quote, contextually specific and commonly used sexual emojis <laughs> that are used alongside <laughs> sexual statements. So. So if you say something a little bit too racy on the platform or in the private message and it has an eggplant or a peach emoji in it, it could get flagged now because that is just getting too racy for, for Facebook sure. and Instagram. But they're not they're not preventing people from sending me naked pictures. Go figure. Like, can you get rid of those people for me? Well, I know that we do have services that are available now that can identify uh, nudity, for example, in pictures, uh, genitals as well. And I'm a little bit surprised that uh, Facebook has not implemented that already I to prevent still you get from him, being, Dr. Jason. to prevent you from being harassed because I'm still getting those. It's, it's all these these people that that you're not even connected with. On I don't the know who they are. Yeah, I have, you have no, no clue who they are. No, oh. no. 
And how many times do I get pro people sending me in messenger, can we chat or oh, yeah. hello or whatever it is. Of course, I ignore all of that, but still, it's I don't know who these people are. I, you know, you click on the profile, it doesn't even look like a real profile, too. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if those are cat, you know, the, the same people are catfishing or what have you. But or somebody's just beware. trying to, to play a joke on you because you, you do have a certain status in a, yeah, a, as a radio think, host. Yeah. I don't even know if they're from. I, a lot of them are not even in this from this country. They, they've never heard of me. I, I don't know. I don't know how they get my profile. I don't know how that happens, but. Uh, oftentimes, like if I go on to their, because I want to see who's sending what, mm-hmm. they're not even from this country. Oh. So I, I have no idea. But it's annoying. And it Gosh. would be nice to just not have to go there. You know what I mean? You attract too much attention. You, oh, you, you yeah. radiate it out through social oh, media, yeah. Lori. Sure. Oh. This texture writes, uh, I'm sorry, Dr. Lori, anyone gullible enough to send money to a total stranger or get emotionally involved with someone you never spoke to or met deserve to learn a lesson. Everyone is aware of scammers. It's a question of how much will that lesson cost? I'm sympathetic to those who got scammed, but I'm certain they had friends and family who advised against sending money, but they chose to side with a stranger who is at fault. Look, I feel badly for people who do get scammed. There's no question. They're usually more vulnerable to these kinds of things. So, um, I, I think you're talking about everyone is aware of scammers. No, there's a lot of people who are not aware of scammers. Older people who are new to the internet, who are new to using some of these sites, may not be aware of scammers. That's why we want to talk about it. So we make people aware. Mm-hmm. And also keep in mind that these people bait bait their victims. Uh, like they spend a lot of time trying to identify people that are most vulnerable to these scams. So it's not just, you know... Uh, someone who is really foolhardy and gullible. Uh, sometimes it is somebody who is going through a very rough patch in their life and they're particularly vulnerable because they're facing like a severe bout of depression or they just got divorced or there's just some kind of upheaval that happens in life to all of us. And, you know, when you're a little bit alone and you're feeling vulnerable and isolated and then all of a sudden you have this person on social media or a dating app that is just willing to listen to you. I'm giving and you attention. Giving you attention and to listen to your hardship. And you know what? They don't judge you and they don't give you a a rough time. You know, sometimes that's the best medicine people need when they're going through a rough time in life. Unfortunately, there's a lot of snakes in the grass that use that opportunity to extort you, blackmail you, get money from you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Human beings aren't always that kind. No, unfortunately not. And and I think many... Many people are vulnerable to to getting scammed. So the more we talk about it, the better it is. So people are aware and we can raise that awareness. Jason, once again, thank you for always enlightening us when it comes to technology and its impact on our sexuality and relationships. If people want to know more about you, I know you're on LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on Twitter. Um, just uh, my Twitter handle is J-B-E-H-R-M-A-N-N. PhD, so that's Jason Behrman, and you could also find me uh, on LinkedIn, uh, Jason Behrman PhD. Once Wonderful. again, the family name B E H R M A N N. Jason, thank you so much. It's always so much fun. Thank always you, Lori, and to all the you. listeners. Thank yes. you. Uh, that's it for us. Thank you so much uh, for spending uh, your time with us, and thank you to our technical producer, Dave Simon. 
Uh, you can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Betito, B-E-T-I-T-O, as I spell my last name, or you can go to my website, drlori.com. If you've missed uh, parts of this show or you want to hear past shows, uh, feel free to download our podcast. Every single one of our shows are podcasted and they can be found on my website and other places too, but uh, that's the easiest place to, to go get them. Coming up next year on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion.